Revelation chapter 4, we come to the conclusion of the sermon series entitled Throne Room. But at the end of this message, I want us to be in that throne room. I want us to be in the Holy of Holies where God is seated. How many would like to be there? Isn't that the goal of every worship service is, is to get us into where God himself is seated and where Jesus is at his right hand? Oh, I'll go ahead and say amen to myself. That's really good preaching, Pastor Gary. Amen. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 4. Everyone looking at the scriptures, beginning with verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders then fall down. When you get into God's presence, you may fall on your face. Oh, amen. They fall down before him that sat on the throne and they worship him that liveth forever and ever and they cast their crowns. What are we going to put down before the Lord? You'll have a crown. You're going to have a crown. Paul says it and we'll talk about that. Saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things. Everybody say all things. God has created all things. He who sits on that throne has created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. How many know that you were created for God's pleasure? You know what a big part of that is? Every day we're supposed to be ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord. He takes great pleasure from our ministry to him. Amen. Our loving him, our thanking him, our adoring him. Amen. You may be seated. John has had a powerful vision. I want you to think with me. The book of Revelation is a powerful book. In fact, there's a blessing. I think it's verse 3 that is in chapter 1 for studying the book of Revelation. A lot of Christians veer away from the book of Revelation, but there's actually a blessing that is incurred as people delve into the book of Revelation because there's some nuggets that we need to find out about. And John has this powerful vision and he sees things which have been. He sees things which are. Pastor Jordan, first sermon, talked about the seven churches. And those were the things that are. But then he sees the things to come. And then in chapter 4, where I have landed to try to teach through these verses, these 11 verses uh, in my sermon part of this, is uh, the, the rapture of the church. Where John is caught up in chapter 4, verse 1. We believe that's where... In time, the rapture of the church takes place, which can happen any time. I want you to know we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord. With everything we see going on in our world, you need to know that we're living in the days that Jesus could come back. Amen. I'm ready. The Bible says at the end of the book of Revelation, even so come quickly. How many will pray that prayer? Even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we're living in the last days, but then in verse 2, John sees the heavenly throne. And I just wanted to remind you in the introduction of my message this morning that if you get to the throne room of God, if you get to the throne room where God's seated, where Jesus is, where the Holy Spirit is, you're going to see some things. There's going to be lightning. There's going to be thunder. Come on, church. There's going to be all kind of colors God loves the color green. We looked at that. He loves reds, the rainbow colors. But it's going to be loud. There's going to be jasper. There's going to be seven spirits. 
Pastor, is there seven Holy Spirits? No, there's one Holy Spirit. But there's seven manifestations of that Spirit. And we need to get to understand what those manifestations are so that we can draw on all of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? There are seven manifestations, and that's why there's seven lamps, seven eyes, seven horns. It's the seven-fold uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's the sea of glass that's in the throne room. The whole floor is made of crystal. It's like a sea of glass. I want you to know God really has it quite interesting when you get into the throne room. Heaven is about a lot of other things. The new Jerusalem coming down is about a lot of other things. But if you get to the throne room where God is seated, there's going to be some interesting things there. There's, in verse 6, there's four beasts. There's a lion, there's a calf, there's a man, there's an eagle, and every one of them have six wings. And those six wings are, are, are indicative of some things that we'll talk about in a few moments. But it says those beasts, those four beasts are full of eyes in front and behind. And they're there worshiping God and ministering to the Lord. If in the throne room it's about ministry to the Lord, we need to, we need to tap into that. I'm not sure what that was. Um, but I want us to go now to worship in heaven, verse 8. Pick up where we left off. The four beasts had each of them six wings, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, and I want everybody to repeat this, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. The pattern must be, we try to build our patterns of worship down here, and we want heaven to line up with our patterns. How many know that's not the correct way to do that? We want to look into heaven. We want to look into heaven. Somebody help me. Into the throne room. And what is the pattern up there to be down here? That's where we get our patterns. That's where the tabernacle originated. God called Moses up onto Mount Sinai. He gave him the pattern for the tabernacle. Moses went back down, built the tabernacle. That's where God, the pattern was in heaven of the temple in heaven and God gave that to David and Solomon they built the replica of that and a lot of times we like to tell God well this is how we like it this is how we want our worship when there's a place in heaven that we need to get to called the throne room and we need to see what the throne room is about and then pattern our earthly experience after what heaven reveals amen didn't Jesus pray as thy kingdom comes Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen to that. And so the beasts are worshiping. It's not about the worshiper. It's not about you and me. When you come to church, coming here today, this experience is not about you. It's about him. I, I'm going to come over here. Amen. This experience is not about us. It's about him. It's not about what we like, what we don't like. It's about us getting into the throne room and seeing what God really does like and then us lining up with that. And they minister, those beasts are ministering to the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord. They're honoring the Lord with very specific verbiage. And so worship styles change. Down through the centuries, worship styles, if you, if you were to go back to the first century, the New Testament church, what you read about in your Bible, the book of Acts, worship was very different than what we have here. Very different. And it has changed down through the centuries. 
the type of music, the styles of music, all of that has changed. And much of it has been preferential, what people have enjoyed in, in that culture, in that time frame. But if we're not careful, we end up worshiping our styles rather than worshiping God. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many have a style of worship that you like? A style of music you like? Every one of us would have styles. But we need to make sure we don't make idols out of that and we miss what happens in the throne room. In the throne room, there's very specific verbiage here of what is taking place and very specific verbiage of the encounter of being in the throne room with God. Some people may be satisfied with getting to heaven and just going over by the brook of life and, and just dangling your feet in and just, just being sort of static. I want to get to the presence of God. I want to get into the holy of holies. I want to get into where God is. Amen. I want to get into that room where his throne is and where all these angelic beings and where all these colors and the, I want to get to where the lightning's happening. I want to get to where the thunder's rolling. I want to get to where the green color, the red color, the rainbow is. I'm talking about getting into the throne room. Amen. Paul says we can get to the holy of holies. Amen. In the Old Testament, one person had an opportunity once a year to get into that holy place with God. In the New Testament, that wall has been, has been broken down and we can get into the presence of God. We can get into the holy of holies. And when you get into the God's presence, I'm telling you there's things that God can do that we can't do ever. Amen in ourselves. And so worship has changed and we've got to make sure that we don't worship our worship, that we're worshiping God. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen. Everybody jump back to Isaiah 6. I want to show you something real quick. Because Isaiah has a vision of the throne room. I, I want you to have a, coming out of this series, it is my prayer that every person connected with the evangel has, a, has a, a greater view of the throne room of God. And in Isaiah 6, Isaiah has this encounter with God and he sees into the throne room. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. That throne was high and lifted up. Everybody say high and lifted up. That means it transcends every other earthly throne. There's not an earthly throne that can compare. Where have all the thrones come down through human history? I mentioned this a week or so ago. Well, Lucifer was in heaven at one time. He knew what thrones looked like. So he has emulated that. But also, I believe God has emulated thrones. And there are some righteous leaders in our world that have had thrones uh, in, in history. And so, but the post of the door, look at what's happening. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings above the throne. So there were three pairs of wings, and with twain he covers his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one is crying. That word crying in the Hebrew means it's very loud. If you get into the throne room, it's going to be very loud. Holy. Everybody say it. Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the, his glory. Now look at verse 4. The door that you come in into, the golden door that you come into when you come into the throne room has posts that, hold, that hinge that door. And it says the posts are being moved because of the crying and the the vat. The, sometimes we feel like, man, these pews are moving. Amen. I'm telling you, the post of the door of God's throne room are moving. They're shaking. The cloud 
of his glory. Look at the, his, his, uh, the bottom of his robe is, is, is literally filling the temple area. And the voice, of, verse four, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. That is Isaiah seeing right into the throne room. Go back to Revelation chapter four now. Seeing the very throne room of God. Worship is not about the worshiper, it's about God. I wanna, I wanna reset for every believer that when you come to worship, it's not about you, it's about God. Come on, we need a reset in the church of America. We need a reset in the churches of the nations that when we come to worship, it's not about what we like, what we don't like. It's about what God likes. It's about the worship experience of lifting up God. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to worship him right now. I want you to tell him how much you love him, how much you adore him. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 10. There's... 24 elders, I explained this, so I don't want to explain it again other than say 12 of those 24 are, are from the Old Testament, 12 are from the New Testament. James, I was reading the scripture this week and James and John were asking Jesus, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand. Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's the point. There's 24 there and they're chosen. They represent the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they begin to do something in the presence of God uh, in verse nine, verse nine and 10. Verse 10 says, the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. So they've been seated at this point. John gets to come in through the golden door. He sees all these colors, the lightning, the thundering, the post moving and shaking and smoke. And then he sees the 24 elders. He sees the beast flying around. This is, this is the imagery that uh, is being presented here and what John is seeing. And then he sees all of a sudden these 24 that are seated, they fall down on their faces and they throw their crowns down. I want you to note, well, pastor, I would never lay on the carpet. I bet if you get to the throne room, you will. Although it won't be carpet, it'll be a crystal sea, a crystal glass. Pastor, I'll never kneel. Yeah. Yeah. If you get to the throne room, maybe I'm convinced that a lot of people are never going to get to the throne room. But if you get to where God is, where he's seated, the four and 20 elders who have a high position, they're on their faces casting their crowns. Well, pastor, I don't have a crown. Well, that's not true. You're going to have a crown. We're going to wear a crown. First Corinthians chapter three says uh, all of our works are going to be tried as by fire. It's just a problem that some people's works are wood, hay, and stubble. And they're, they're what would be of going towards a crown is going to be burned up. I, I want to remind everybody under pastor's voice that you need to be building some jewels for your crown. Because when you get ready to throw that crown before the feet of Jesus, I don't want an empty crown. I want a crown that has a lot of jewels that, that we can lay before the master. A life saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in into the precious goodness of my presence. Hallelujah. I want you to know you're going to have a crown and it's going to be the summation of your life lived here on this earth. And friends, we've got to be doing something. The church cannot be hidden away, tucked away in the last days uh, of this, of this uh, world. We've got to be a visible people doing something, but make a difference in our world. There are people lost and dying and going into hell. 
Over 7 billion people on this planet and the majority of them do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the church is not uh, to be absent in this time frame. What, where did that ever come from that we should be absent when the world is, when Jesus is getting ready to come? He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. We can't be absent. When I was in Bible college, we, we were required to be in chapel every day. And, uh, and there were people missing chapel. And I'm thinking, chapel? You're in Bible college? That, you know? And uh, they put a big A beside their name if they were absent. They took attendance every day. And uh, listen, I don't want to be absent when the world needs people that are standing up and, and preaching Jesus and loving, it, helping people encounter Christ. Hallelujah. The church has got to be visible in this hour. That's why we do what we do from local to global is because we believe we're very missional in what we're called to do. And so the four and 20 elders, they fall down. They're kneeling on their faces before they prostrate themselves. They cast their crowns. And one day we're going to have that opportunity. But there's standing in the presence of God, in the Holy of Holies. There's bowing, there's prostrating, there's clapping, there's shouting. There are all kinds of things that ought to be done as, uh, as our response to who God is, the greatness and the magnitude of God. For thou, verse 11 says, thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are created. Amen? And were created. Holy, holy, holy. I pondered on that word a little bit this week as I was writing my notes. Holiness is an important part of the presence of God. A lot of people will never get to the throne room because they're not living holy lives. And I want to I want to talk to everyone. Listen, without holiness, no man shall see God. There are some things you need to get out of your life if it's holding you back. Things that are detouring you from a true encounter of the presence of God. Amen? Things that we need to set aside. Holiness is in the presence of God. Holiness is found right here. It is honored. So much so that you see it in Isaiah. You see it here in the book of Revelation. Holy. I want you to say it with me. Holy. 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 Holy is being honored. In his presence, there's no room for self-consciousness. Let me just say that if you get to the throne room, it's not about self. It's about him. Self-consciousness fades. In our environments down here, self-consciousness is a big part of who we are. It's sort of our identity sometimes, what we like, what we don't like. And, uh, but in his presence, self-consciousness fades because it's all about him. Everybody say it's all about him. Hallelujah. So the psalmist describes, going through, the, I just went through the book of Psalms, and he describes a lot of actions in worship that he was a part of. And something caught God's eye about David. He was a man after God's own, I say it, heart. So David captured God's heart. But David identifies a number of things, clapping hands, shouting, Dancing, falling down before the Lord, kneeling, the raising of hands. Why don't we just pause right now and raise hands one more time and do something that we're enjoined in the scriptures to do by the sweet psalmist who captured the heart of God. Come on, raise your hand. 
Psalm 95 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Coming through that golden door. Seeing those colors and lights, smoke, hearing those sounds, seeing the doorposts shake, and the beast, the 24 elders falling down. I'm telling you, friends, something happens. And Isaiah's encounter, and I want you to go back with me to Isaiah because I want to, as the worship team uh, comes back in just a moment, I want to show you something that happens to Isaiah, his encounter with the throne room. That every one of us, if we truly have a worship encounter, something's going to happen in our heart and life. If you have a worship encounter with God, and it's not based on self, what you feel, what you, but you're really ministering to God, something's going to happen inside of you, and it happened to Isaiah here. And it says in Isaiah chapter 6 that when he sees all of this happening, Verse 5, it says, Woe is me. I am a man that is undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. You begin to, when you get into the presence of God, you see yourself in the light of who He is. Help me, church. Amen. I ain't really all that much in comparison to who He is. I'm just the work of His hands and the object of His love. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But we're really not that much. We're just dirt bags. Amen. We're just dirt bags. He just put some dirt together and blew in it. He just blew in that dirt and we became a living soul. He, you know, it's like my wife told our kids. When they were growing up, if they didn't straighten up, she can get rid of them and make some more. <laughs> you know, God can, he can just create some more dirt and blow in that dirt. People that are willing to worship. Well, I'm not into all that. You, you need a visit to the throne room. I'm not, you know, that doesn't float my boat. That doesn't tickle my fancy. Listen, let's get into his presence. Let's get rid of self-consciousness and let's make it all about him. About him, amen? I want to show you something because this is real important that we see. And one cried unto another, holy, holy, holy. And then verse 5, oh, here's what was that. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the king. Well, that's really what needs to happen. Every one of us need to have our eyes open and our eyes see the king. Because when you see the king, the Lord of hosts, then flew one of those angelic beings to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, this has touched your lips. Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. Now this is where I want to end up. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I.
I want to throw out this morning. Have we really had a worship experience that doesn't translate to missional living? I want you to think about that with me. Have we really worshiped in the throne room and seen God for who he is and not respond the way Isaiah responded? And God says, in the midst of all this atmosphere of worship, in the midst of all this atmosphere of adoration going on, who's going to go for me? And I think there's a question being asked to the church living in the last days and to believers living in the last days. Our worship has got to translate when we really get in his presence and see the king for who he is and see God for, we're going to understand his heart. That heaven sent the jewel, the jewel of heaven to earth so that men could be saved. We're going to understand the passion of heaven. That God in all of his splendor, all of his might, all of his power, all of his creation, and with everything going on, he asked Isaiah in his throne room, who will go for me? Who will live on mission? And I'm asking on this Sunday morning at the close of this series, listen, friends, it is about the lost. Jesus identified two things so passionate that he lived out. I came to seek and save the lost. How many believe it's about the lost? Come on, raise your hand if you really believe that. Really believe that. And I came to build my church. And I believe we got to be on mission. God, help us answer the call. We need prayer intercessors. We need people that will go, that will help carry. Pastor, we're living in the last days. I know we are. And a true worship experience is going to help us to connect with the passion of the throne room. If we can get into the throne room, if worship ceases to be about us and it really is about an encounter with the holy, holy, holy God, we're going to see a lost world. We're going to be hungry to, to be a part of evangelizing a world that needs to know Jesus. Amen? Sons and daughters that are not where they ought to be. How many have family members that are not where they ought to be spiritually? Listen, a true worship experience. As I've gone through this, and I, I tried to take you verse by verse through chapter 4 in my part of this preaching. And as I was finishing this up, I just begin to see Isaiah. And I see his encounter in the throne room and his missional living that he began to preach the message that God wanted him to preach. There's a lost world that needs a church that is alive. Amen? I want everyone to stand. And I want us to sing that song, Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, everyone. He's high, 
every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, Do not harden your heart. He is coming soon. The sound of the trumpet will be heard soon. Listen. Open your ears. Know that my son's return is at hand. You have been warned. Signs are following. Signs are pointing. Be ready. Get your family in the ark. Know for a surety. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I believe that's closer than ever before. I've heard that message all my life, but I believe we're getting closer and closer. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is beckoning to you to make peace with God. The Holy Spirit is calling you, tugging at your heart. Your family and friends must be in the ark before it's too late. You must be in the ark, and you do that by asking Christ to come in. He is coming soon. He is coming soon. And people need to feel the urgency. The world has caused people to be apathetic about the coming of the Lord. The Bible says this hope purifies people, causes them to live right. The church has lost the hope of his return. And I believe with all my heart we're getting closer and closer. So I wanted you to repeat this prayer. Everyone repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe in you, that you are the eternal Son of God, heaven's gift to mankind. I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, be my Lord and Savior. With your help, I will live and serve you. In Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, this is a spiritual journey. And you begin by giving your life to Christ. And then you continue on that process by getting discipled. And we, we're very pragmatic at Evangel that discipleship is so important. And we've got, to, we've got to love people into the king, kingdom. We've got to see them encounter Christ. And that's what we're so missional about, is helping people encounter Jesus. So if you prayed that prayer and you're a backslider coming back to God or you're a first-time believer uh, accepting Christ, I want to put the text number up, or you can go to the tent outside, or you can text this number. We'll get you in discipleship. They're, they're ready to sign people up right after the service out in the lobby for the e-groups. That's a great discipleship program that really the whole church should be in the small groups because it's a 13-week series this fall of small groups and uh, the growth that takes place in those small groups is powerful. I want to pray over the sick right now. If you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody that needs healing in your body or you know someone that needs healing in their body, raise their hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you gave us authority, and you said, uh, lay hands on the sick. And Lord Jesus, there were many times that you just spoke the word over them, and people were healed. You told uh, Dorcas to arise, and she got up.
Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus as we speak life over those that are sick, those that need healing in their body. We're doing it through the authority that Jesus Christ has vested us with. And we speak the life and the healing of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Son of David, the Son of the, the living God. Be thou made whole. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. I'm going to read the ironic blessing, but I want us to sing this song, Holy. I want us to do what they're doing in the very presence of God. It's a song about holy, 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 how great is our God, how mighty he is. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God here. Don't forget the revival service tonight. I hope everyone will be back uh, for evangelist Chris Mickelson. It's going to be powerful. But lift your hands. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, This is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee. That's powerful. The Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And you will put my name upon your children, upon the children of Israel. And God says, I will bless them. Let's lift up a shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Don't miss that service.